Hello, I'm Sandra Patel-Stewart, CEO of Transition Partners. And I'm Ellie Nettleton, Managing Director. Welcome back to our Let's Talk Leadership podcast, The Culture Edit. This season, we're super excited. We're going to be focusing on how leaders embed a positive organisational culture. Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. Uh, my name's Ellie Greeny and I'm so delighted to be back recording a podcast today. I'm missing my little partner in crime, Sandra Patel-Stewart, due to ill health. But I'm really happy today because I'm joined by Simon Munch-Anderson, uh, CTO at Ultimate, a startup that is a virtual customer support agent powered by AI and based in Berlin. They offer 24-hour day support, seven days a week in 109 different languages. So uh, pretty impressive and uh, super excited to have you on the show. How are you doing, Simon? Very good. Thank you for having me. Good. No, really pleased to have you here today. I was um, doing a little bit of a LinkedIn stalk and looking at your background, but I would love it if you can tell the listeners, I guess in about five minutes, give us an overview. It's been a, a long and successful career by the looks of it, but an overview of how you've got to where you are today. Yes, Absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from Denmark, grew up in France, started a few startups, some more successful than others. Okay, uh, interesting. <laughs> worked within digital music distribution and premium movies distribution in the early days before iTunes and Spotify. Mm -hmm. And then I've moved towards ad, um, ad tech, so advertising online, so how you know you monetize advertising online. Um, and then I've been working in a health tech, a femtech company, also Clue, um, and now uh, working in customer service automation. Amazing. So a bit of a serial entrepreneur, tech enthusiast over the years. You've done multiple different industries and really varied careers. So um, tell us about your role then at Ultimate and what you guys are up to in Berlin. So at Ultimate, we are really working towards automating all the tedious part of customer service, which is really one of the toughest job um, and really powering also the online revolution that really kicked, you know, tremendously off during COVID also. So, you know, every time everyone has a issue, customer service is here to help. Um, some of those requests are very repetitive. Um, it's a tedious job and it is not very satisfying for neither the customer or the agent. And all these repetitive tasks like, can I return my uh, my shoes? How do I cancel my flight ticket? All these, you know, where you get the same you know, questions and the same request again and again in many different languages, all the time, all day, yeah. you know, every week. That's what we automate. And we do that via chatbots, where you can have a conversation with your customers, um, or via ticket automation, typically over email, and where we can tag emails, we can route emails and tickets uh, through systems and to the right team. So if it's an email uh, regarding payment, it goes directly to the team that handles payments, for example. Amazing. That's really cool. And are you allowed to share any of the types of customers you work with, or is that all secret? <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are secret. <laughs> they don't like to to show yeah. how they do their customer service. Some of them are online. You know, some of the bigger ones are Zalando. Um, they have many, many different languages. Um, yeah, in so many different territories in Europe. Uh, Finnair, um, big Finnish airline company, are some of our 
know, because mm -hmm. comp uh, companies with the biggest amount of traffic. Amazing. Sounds like a great product. And the business itself, where was it at when you joined in, in comparison to where the business is at today? So now, um, so when I joined, it was shortly before Series A. Um, it's mm -hmm. a relatively small company around, I would say, just below 50 people. Um, yeah. And um, a few months after I joined, we got our Series A, and now we are post-Series B, um, and we're now you know, finalizing... I think we're just reaching 160. Honestly, I've stopped counting. Amazing. So it's difficult to keep track of how yeah. many we are. Yeah. We also very distributed. Um, we have our original office in, in Finland, in Helsinki, um, and now also opening up an office in, uh, in London. Amazing. And, and how many people are you directly responsible for? Uh, that's also a good question. Um, I think between 50, 60 people. Again, it changes every Monday when we have new starters. Okay, hopefully it only goes up, but that's good to hear. Amazing. And uh, how would you? Yeah, that's good. Good, good. That's what we want. And um, how would you describe the culture at Ultimate? So the culture is very based on, I would say, Nordic values. Um, you know, three of the four founders mm -hmm. are uh, Finns. Uh, myself, I'm Dane, mm -hmm. uh, Danish. Um, so that's high level of trust. Um, that's what I think many new joiners, they notice that they get a high level of trust, a lot of um, empowerment to, to, to do their work immediately. You don't have to earn trust before you get assigned in the interesting task. You, you know, really get onboarded as well as we can, but you also get a lot of room to have a strong impact um, on the team where you are. And that comes with, you know, the level of trust that you get from your direct um, peers, but also from your manager where, you, you know, they give you a, a broad set of responsibilities um, without you necessarily uh, double-checking everything you do. Great. It's nice to have that level of that trusted environment, isn't it? It's so important in scaling startups. So. Over the years, you've uh, held some big responsibilities and big roles, but what's been the biggest leadership lesson that you've encountered? Oh, that's quite a few, but I would say um, investing in your people, but also especially knowing the, the, the individual person in your behind you know, every team member, um, mm -hmm. knowing what takes, what makes them come to work, what makes them do and go the extra mile um, and not just seeing them as a role in, you know, a, a line in, in Excel, you know, as a resource, but really investing in their, in that background and figure out what do they want to go, how can you do that together and kind of consider that individual as part of a group. Um, and I think that's really the most difficult part as a leader is to consider all the individual needs, but then knowing that all these individuals, the collection of those individuals need to come together as a team and figure mm -hmm. out who would work great together and how can each one of them get what they need out of this together as, uh, as a team. How do you do that then? Like you say, it's not easy, is it? Finding all those various aspects and digging deep to find out what each team member really wants and how to achieve that but can you like break that down yeah i mean that's definitely a no kind of 
secret recipe or tools um, or SaaS service you can go to to, to do so. Um, but spending time with your team, getting to know them, and I think that really start immediately from you start interviewing them, really generally trying to understand what their background is, where do they want to go, but just go below, you know, the, the typical question of where do you see yourself in five years, but really understand what motivates them. Um, and then you have to have a big puzzle inside your head with the rest of the team that they will be working with um, and figure out how can this possibly become a team where they can go into one direction. And that leads me to the second step is that you need really to communicate not just only as you, as a leader yourself, but also having everyone behind one of a few goals that everybody can rally behind. Um, and then hopefully they can find a place to, to go um, and motivate um, themselves to, to join that mission. Mm-hmm. That's really great to hear. So what three characteristics do you believe every leader should possess? And did they come naturally to you? And not all, what was the story behind each one? I don't think necessarily that they came naturally, um, but I think um, some of them um, became quite apparent when I saw what worked and what didn't work. And also reflecting over the leaders I have worked with, um, I think that um, being consistent and being predictable as a leader is really, really important. So regardless of the day, regardless of the months, <clears throat> regardless of the situation, um, you need to be able to count on your leader will be reacting predictably to certain problems. If you bring problems, challenges, or ask for an advice, um, you need to know that that person will react in a certain stable, predictable, consistent manner. Um, Love that. I think a lot of people have maybe not trust issues, but they have a little bit of anxiety bringing problems and challenges to their, their leaders and say, hey, this didn't work out, I, I missed a milestone, I will be missing it, or we failed, we had an issue, an incident. Um, and I think you're often confronted with problems as a leader, otherwise you wouldn't be needed. Um, if things were just running fine without you or the team were doing a great job, um, they wouldn't be needing you. So you often in a situation where you need to deal with problems and I think if you react a little bit randomly and erratically, um, people start losing trust in you because you probably become a bigger of a problem than just the problem itself and not really helping solving the problem. So I think that's kind of you know, my first kind of quality that I try to be consistent and predictable even when I have bad days in my own private life. I kind of just try to ground myself and, and be the one kind of people can come and use as a soundboard worst case it's something so like simple isn't it but for me that's a really important value as well and actually interestingly before I came on I was doing one of my team's reviews and it was their annual reviews and one of the things that I thanked her for this is a girl called Chloe who works for me he's fantastic was her consistency within the team and it's just such a random thing to thank someone for but for me it's really important that she's consistently someone that I can like rely on she's consistently like approaches each day really similarly but it's just it's one of those things that's such a small thing but it makes such a big difference when you've worked with quite erratic people in the past 
and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well, you really value that kind, kind of consistent approach. And from a leadership perspective, that's it. Like you say, your team want to be able to come to you and know, actually, I know how Simon's going to react to this. They're not scared. They can be honest. They can be authentic. And that helps with the trust all around, doesn't it? That's a great one to start us with. What's your second? The other thing I think is, is maybe more obvious, but I think you need to be flexible. Um, and it, it, it relates a little bit again to the fact that as a leader, you often deals with problems um, and with situations that doesn't go necessarily as planned. Um, if there were, you wouldn't be needed as a leader. Um, so the fact that you need to be the one that can accept setbacks and that things aren't going as planned as the first one on the team, so you can kind of maybe reset the situation or you can say that's it is what it is, let's try something else, and you can have this, you can function as a, a strong foundation that the world won't collapse, you know, it is just, you know, a project that failed or something, a service that failed, uh, but it's not the end of the world. Um, and being flexible and accept that, yeah, you know, um, the obstacle is kind of, is part of the game, is on the way that is, you know, it is expected to be on the way. Um, and is that something you've learned over time and maturity because i don't know like whether that's something as a leader that you found but like if i think about my own personal journey in leadership when you're young you're a bit naive aren't you that everything should be perfect all the time and there isn't room for error and and like sometimes you put your job at like the most important thing in the world and things that just really aren't like the reality of it you manage to, to create so many plans and, 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 and operational models, and then you realize that regardless of how much effort you put into it, the reality will just want to do other ones with your, your plans. Um, mm. And then if that's part of the game, you also won't be surprised that every time that something doesn't go as planned, sometimes they do, which is really nice, um, that often, especially the bigger ones, um, have a few different alternatives to what you, you expected. And then it, wouldn't, it won't surprise you. It yeah. doesn't mean that you won't reach your goal, but it just means that you have a certain different way of reaching it, which is very ex expected, I think. Yeah, and that's experience, isn't it? Perfect, I think that's a really good one, that flexibility and acceptance. What about the third? The third one is maybe also tied to that, but is maybe to be responsible. Um, it, in in situations where things don't go as planned, where things really often go bad, it is important that someone takes full responsibility, um, that there's no need to place a blame or that you know you need to find a fault in someone else on the team. You need as a leader to kind of stand behind the failure of certain things um, and accept that, you know, you were the one responsible to put the team together. You are ultimately responsible for the, the plan and the operational model that you decided to go for. Um, and, and accepting that, you know, you own that ultimately is really, really important. Um, if you, you know, if you only take the benefits of someone that's something that's well executed, you definitely um, are on the wrong path of leadership, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure over the years, you've probably read lots of books, had coaching and trained and developed your leadership skills. But what are the sort of like key principles in leadership that you live by as well? 
I think people that have been working with me for not very long, they know that I always think team first. Um, I always consider the team benefit, first. the team first, yes. So always the, yeah, the team's benefits. Um, and I think um, if someone is not performing or is doing any harm on the team, um, but managers have issues letting that person go because that may be a great kind of developer or a great kind of contributor isolated from the team, I always think you need to think about the team first. Um, that is what counts. Nothing can be done without a team. Um, and that's... And that's a tough one on an AI-based product, right? Where your, your tech teams are like you say, individual... Yeah, the complexity, I think, not only in AI, but in many, many different domains and industries is yeah. so so high that nothing can be achieved as an individual. Um, and, you know, it's only the sum of, of great individuals that come together, that work together as a team, that you can actually create something that is out of the extraordinary. Otherwise, you end up creating maybe something that's already out there, I believe. Mm. That's a good one. So team first. And the other one is kind of the the the, the other side of that is that you cannot... Um, do something alone, right? If you are, if you are assigned a task, that task can possibly not be so granular that you can achieve it alone. You must deal with a task that's big enough for you to kind of deal with it as a team, right? Otherwise, mm -hmm. you will become such a micromanager, uh, or you are being micromanaged. If you can say, "Oh, I just need to put paper in the printer," in my opinion, that's such a small task that is not even worth uh, discussing. Um, so I only deal with tasks and topics and projects that can only be achieved as a team. Individual yeah. tasks are really not that um, interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm interested then to find out about the culture that you've created at Ultimate. Like you said, it's like a Nordic approach to it, like super trusting. Can you expand on that? And the, on the culture and how that's kind of like, particularly you're opening up an office, like you say, in London, how you're going to bring that to the UK and embed it. And is there any sort of like initially when people join the team, how do they adapt to that environment? Have you had any lessons where it's been particularly challenging for someone to adapt from different cultures before? Can you expand a bit more on that? We have. Um, so we do spend a lot of time during the recruitment process to explain our values, to explain how we work and, and what we expect of each individual, um, especially in R&D, that is such a team first setup. You, you really, you, you spend time, um, you spend more time with people from other disciplines in engineering than with, you know, your own um, peers. Um, so, so that's one thing. We definitely have people have that have come from bigger corporates where they were assigned a very small portion of the value chain of the project and were not necessarily used to see the bigger picture. So they knew to how to do that job really, really well, but they didn't see that job as a part of a bigger uh, picture. Those picture uh, people, they usually don't function really, really well in our setup, where we demand that people, or we expect that people can see the bigger picture, they can foresee what they contribute will in a bigger in a bigger setting. So if you develop a piece of code, a piece of um, infrastructure, you need to know how that's going to be used by other people, by other engineers, and you need to really care about that, that piece works really great with someone else, those other pieces. 
And is there any like unique ways or tips that you've got to share that vision? Because obviously that's a big part of it. Leadership is like storytelling, letting people know the value that they're playing in that bigger picture. But it's often quite, it's a really simple thing that people struggle with and that, and like showcasing that and I guess getting the message out to, to the teams, particularly when they're like co-located can be challenging. So is there any ways that you've done that well in your current employer or prior businesses before that you can share? So what we spend a lot of time on is really to give teams a broader ownership um, and explain mm-hmm. that they actually own everything from the roadmap to the infrastructure to the execution of that roadmap and they also need to operate it into production. When they really understand what that means, because that sounds great when you tell them that, but they also need to balance tech depth, and they need to balance feature prioritization, but they also need to balance um, stability in production, um, box, etc. So they can become a small business within the business. Um, mm-hmm. To do that well as a team, you really need to understand the full context of both the product. You need to care about how the product is being used, and you need to care about why we're developing new features. So you can de- participate in the discussion about should we develop this new feature, or we should should we take care of this part of the uh, of the uh, the tech debt, or should we fix a bug because that's being an, you know is annoying a few customers. So I think the context is really key for people to be able to to take a broader ownership. So they know uh, I'm not only doing this, but I'm actually part of a slightly bigger puzzle. Mm-hmm. And the structure in the business, is it fairly flat? And what are your thoughts on hierarchy within organizations and how do you do that well at Ultimate? So one thing is hierarchy and kind of reporting lines, right? So a manager cannot necessarily have more than, I don't know, what is a good practice, seven, eight uh, direct reports. Um, but that doesn't mean that necessarily that all information flows and decision-making is taking the same path, not at all. Um, a lot of issues, a lot of topics are being addressed in completely different settings outside of the manager's direct knowledge. Obviously, you need to be in the knowing and you need to you know, know the end result of what's being decided and where the direction the team has decided to go, um, but you're not necessarily, as a manager, required to be on the critical path of decision-making or of uh, investigation or any other things. So that's mm-hmm. many different groups. We want work, especially in R&D, in, in very cross-functional teams. Um, and people have no issues taking on you know, momentarily leadership in certain areas, either for a broader technical topic or they can, and they can go and, and, and figure out who are the stakeholders for this topic and, and, and kind of own that until it's been executed well. Mm-hmm. What's the best bit of career advice that you could give our listeners, Simon? I believe that um, as you actually, you don't need a lot of experience in your work life until you realize that certain things work better than others. But I often see that people have so much experience, but still they don't even follow their own kind of digested tips of work. So, you know. Um, really just follow your own tips first would be my advice. <laughs> it is um, mind-blowing to see that people are, are really good at going, going advice, uh, giving advice, but not really good at following their own advice. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is um, um, oh, let me see, I had actually had it written down. Um, oh yeah, 
the other thing is really to work well, especially in a remote um, setup, is to, to verbalize your assignment back to whoever gives you a task, either your colleague, so saying, hey, so this is what we agreed on, um, this is what we want to do. Um, sometimes the implicit um, or the explicit are not necessarily equal when you have a discussion, especially when it happens remotely. Um, and mm -hmm. that really makes collaboration and kind of your perception um, much, much stronger um, when you kind of are able to ref you know, rephrase what's been agreed on. So this is very concrete, but also really, really powerful, I believe. Amazing. And I'd love to finish the podcast then with a question about um, like where your biggest like leadership learnings came from. Is there a specific book that you really like loved or training course or anything that you've been on that, that played a really key significant role in your leadership journey any content that you'd recommend our listeners listen to obviously a lot of our uh, listeners are really keen to develop and progress their leadership skills so any snippets or nuggets that you can give that would help would be awesome i follow quite a few few newsletters um so there's the one from owen um ellen Bogen. um i hope i pronounce his name correctly yeah that's just his name uh, Aaron Ellen Bowen. maybe we can put in the link somewhere that's yeah yeah we of, can do yeah that's um, one of my absolutely favorite um, you spend 10 minutes every week having a read and it's taking actually a bit more um, it's uh, sometimes I have to use you know my mornings during the week to kind of catch up on many of the articles and, um, and comments and etc but that's a really good mm -hmm. aggregation of what's moving both in the tech space, but also um, a lot of good aggregation of advice around, especially um, software engineering leadership. Amazing. Yeah, we'll certainly share the link in the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure um, speaking with you. If anyone does want to get in touch, what's the best way to contact you, Simon? LinkedIn, I'm very active there, so I'm already uh, always reading my messages and responding when I can. So that's perfect, that's really, really amazing. Nice. So uh, if anyone wants to connect, we'll put your details as well in the link below. But um, amazing, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Simon. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. everyone for listening to our let's talk leadership podcast the culture edit if you would like to talk all things thought leadership and how you've embedded a positive organizational culture get in touch you can also follow us on linkedin and stay tuned by subscribing to us on spotify or youtube for future episodes stay tuned for our next one bye for now guys